are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Woo, 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 woo. What's up, Dolphins fans? And welcome to this Wednesday, August 11th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and pleased to bring you the first ever guest in my tenure of Locked On Dolphins, the opportunity to sit down with a very, very familiar face in South Florida and Miami Dolphins media. As promised here, I promised the first ever true guest that I was going to have here on Locked on Dolphins was going to be a special one. It's none other than the wonderful Joe Rose. Joe drafted 1980, caught Dan Marino's first touchdown pass, did a little bit of my homework. uh, But I've had the opportunity to go on WQAM with Joe uh, in the morning along with Zach Krantz for, for a couple of months now. And I've really enjoyed talking ball with Joe. And and if you were to ask me, you know, who's somebody who has a a tight knit relationship with the team that you could bring on and have a podcast with Joe is going to be up there. He's a first round pick as far as I'm concerned. So Joe, welcome to locked on dolphins. I really appreciate you carving some time out and talking some dolphins football here. Well, nothing. I enjoy more. Uh, You become a good friend, man. I, uh, I I love doing it. Really looking forward to hopefully doing this all season with you. And, uh, and talking about the team, you, you know, well, your stuff goes around the country to a lot of our fan base. So um, this is really a, a really an honor for me to do. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joe. So obviously the Dolphins going to Chicago this week and have joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday with the Bears before the preseason game uh, on Saturday. And they, one of the things that is as customary in the preseason is they dropped their preseason depth chart uh, ahead of week one. And there were some surprises on there, uh, whether it's uh, Durham Smythe being listed as the third string tight end or Liam Eikenberg officially being the first string left guard coming in or Jason McCourty ahead of Javon Holland. So uh, I guess from my perspective, this Dolphins regime that's in place with Brian Flores, how much stock would you generally put into this first week in preseason when he's been very transparent that, look, we're in evaluation mode right now. Kyle, this is one of those situations where the league says you have to have a depth chart or there is no question Brian Flores would not have one. And you're right. And and I've been out at these practices and you're out there and they're going, he's on the depth chart there, but I I saw him line up somewhere else and he's moved him up. He's moved him down. Uh, He's not a big fan like a lot of guys of these early depth charts that have to come out, especially when you're getting ready to do the game on the on the radio and trying to figure out who's going to play and stuff. But I will say this. This is a big first week. You know, I call uh, I call these are all practices and then you go to quiz and then go to the test of the preseason games. They got some big quizzes taking place in these practices for a lot of guys trying to make a move and get back on the radar for playing time and the 53-man roster even uh, on offense and defense. And, and that's the fun of a 90-man roster trying to figure out. But but you want to make a splash in these practices against the guys you're playing against from Chicago. And then Saturday at 1 o'clock Eastern time, you want to make sure you make a big splash 
in a game situation. I think that holds a lot of weight with coaches. Yeah, and you know they, they've we've heard them refer to uh, Limbo and Junior as a gamer, and they're expecting him playing against somebody who's not a, a teammate of his to to bring a better performance against Chicago, both in practices and the preseason games. So, uh, I, I know everybody gets their hands on that depth chart, and they say, "Okay, here it is in writing." Right. So let's have all these reactions to it. But yeah. uh, it seems like we're on the same page here. This is kind of one of those grain of salt type things because Flo's doing it because he has to not be, if they're not going to tell you who's calling plays between the co-coordinators, they're not yeah. going to give you a true integrity of what the depth chart looks like right now. Right. Yeah. Kyle, listen, um, I think we all, we know all the characters are going to play and they're kind of counting on. I think we both have a pretty good feel for, for, high forties into maybe 50 on who's going to be on this team, but there's a lot of guys they want to get going. I'll give you two names right off the top. Solomon Kinley and Noah Igmanogany. I got to pick it up. They, they, I think the coaches want to see how they respond. Iggy's had some rough practices where he's been beaten on a lot of big plays. He's a former first round pick, not too long ago, two drafts ago. So, so he's got to pick it up. And, and I think, I think the team would like more than anybody for Solomon Kinley to have some real consistent breakout practices and first preseason game so that they know and feel better about the depth on this offensive line. And maybe, maybe if that was the case, they'd feel comfortable enough to move Eichenberg back out to right tackle. Just a, just a thought. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think about Eichenberg specifically, and you almost feel like if he sticks there at left guard going into next week after Chicago, that's where he's going to play, right? Because right. Uh, you, you really can't afford to be yanking him back and forth. I know they mm -hmm. talked about they want to get chemistry uh, with more than just five. They want six and seven to have chemistry. But as a rookie who played left tackle at Notre Dame, uh, you, you're hoping, like you said, Solomon Kinley slams that door shut so that you can just transition him out here. I would be curious. One of the things that uh, on Tuesdays on the show, we, we do effectively a fan mailbag and we get a lot of fan feedback coming in. And one of the big questions was uh, the drafting and trading up of, for Eichenberg in the second round. And one of the things, and I know we talked about this when we had a chance to, to hang out, watch a little bit of practice last week was I, I try to explain why the decisions are made with the dolphins that are made. And not necessarily say it's right or wrong, but here's what the thought process you anticipated is. And moving Liam Eichenberg inside, I'd be curious if you agree with kind of this working theory that with Tua Tungvaloa not being a guy who's six foot five, he's, he's a little bit shorter in the pocket, ensuring that interior pressure is not in his face is probably a, a big point of emphasis uh, to make sure that he – he gets to anticipate spots. And, and he said that a little bit in his preseason or in his summer interviews thus far was, you know, I need to anticipate spots because I can't see over the guys on the inside. But if you got a guy that's really crashing through his face. So I guess, Joe, from my, from your perspective, how do you value the quality of a, of a offensive tackle who's a rookie on the blind side versus interior integrity of the pocket do you think that's something that could be weighed out here? Or is this simply saying Solomon Kinley's not cutting it. We need the be next best guy at left guard. Well, I think part of it to start with Solomon Kinley hasn't played the way they are hoping here in year two. I think you start with that from OTAs to mini camps. I felt like if there was a guy in the offseason doghouse, 
Solomon Kinley is the president of the club right now. So we'll start with that. Um, he's going to play, and I and I can just see Coach Flores standing up to that whole offensive staff and saying, we're going to play the best five guys at this point. And I can't worry about a draft pick here or draft pick there. I need the best five to give to a – you bring up a really good question. Cave in the pocket inside destroys quarterbacks, and yet – the outside, especially his blind side, because he's left-handed, is the right tackle position, was as equally important. And those coaches want to make sure they have a lot of confidence, who, whoever it ends up being, at that right tackle. So um, it, it's really interesting. I will tell you my frustration level of this of this offensive line discussion every year, it, it does get old. And we, we have spent a lot of draft picks, good draft picks, a one, two twos, a four, uh, we finally, Michael Dieter, third round pick and, mm -hmm. and Brian Flores, Chris Greer's first draft together. Looks like he's going to stick, at least if he plays well, he's going to get the best opportunity to, to be the starter. Kyle, I don't know if you can, spick, you can spend much more in draft picks, quality draft picks, and what you've done with this group of guys to, to get it where, where it's a good offensive line. I'm not even going top five. I'm just a good, solid offensive line that gives you time, can run the ball a little bit, but has time to for those big plays down the field with that speed or those speed receivers, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, um, they're for nothing if you don't have time to get them the ball. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the ultimate dilemma because I know a lot of Dolphins fans say, well, we should have drafted Penny Sewell at six. Well, now you're really ramping up even further the investment in the offensive line that you just talked about. There's teams out there that are finding three or four of their quality starters on day two or later in the draft in Miami's, you know, it, it's not for lack of effort. And that's not even to mention the low, the, the low risk flyer that they took on Isaiah Wilson and bringing DJ Fluker in where if DJ Fluker doesn't get hurt, are we even having this conversation? That's right. right tackle? Great it's, point. It's hard Great to say. Point. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season currently in full swing. You could track all the action over at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball. The NFL preseason is back. UFC and more. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code. Locked on. You made a great point talking about the speed at wide receiver. And obviously we have seen all throughout training camp thus far, a little bit more assertiveness to push the ball. And, and Eric Studisville talked about chunk plays and explosive plays when he met with the media on Monday. So I guess I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, you've been calling games for a while uh, for Miami. When's the last time that you can remember this level of expectation for the offense, obviously it'd been forever since they scored 400 points in a season. They did it last year with Shane Gailey, who was really maligned. And then they go out and they invest all they did in skill players. So uh, as somebody who I'm 32 years old and I've been following the team, but I've only really got intimate access with the team over the last yeah. two or three years, somebody who's been at this longer than I have, can you remember any time in which this level of expectation was here for the offense. Well, just with your expectations, I'll start with this. This is the fastest group of wide receivers. I've been here since I got drafted in 1980 and have been involved with the team basically the whole time through TV and radio. This is by far, when you look at the top four guys, the fastest group of wide receivers. When, when you throw in Albert Wilson, 
and you throw in uh, Jakeem Grant, Will Fuller coming in, and of course your Jalen Waddle. You put those four together; it's by far the the fastest group of guys um, they've ever had in the history of this franchise. Because uh, I've talked to guys said in the seventies there was nobody. You always had possession guys and stuff, but there's a good chance all four of these guys going to be on the team. They're going to carry extra wide receivers because the injury bug that's hit two of the guys they're really counting on already and a suspension. Um, you can't count. I don't mean this in a negative way, but you can't count on Preston Williams anymore. Two years, played half the season. You'd have to be a fool to go into year three and go, we can count on him coming back. Whatever you get out of him when he comes oh, back, because he's a freakish athlete, we've seen it. We've seen him make plays and, and touchdowns, and he, he can make it. But, you know, it, it's about durability, part of this job, too. And so that's why this team went out and spent uh, a first overall pick on a wide receiver and got one of the top speedsters in free agency because of this. And uh, there's been a couple of guys that opted out that came back in, man, that have been uh, – Albert Wilson has been – he's been the MVP through the first two weeks. We're wondering where he was one day. They gave him the day off because he's just been unbelievable. Um, but the receiver position, and, and, and as we're all talking about, it all connects together for everybody. It really does. I know Tua, 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 but he needs an offensive line. He needs time to throw it. And those guys, got they got to make big plays with to go along with that great speed. So I'm really glad you provided the context of you know, going back to when you first came into the organization and, and obviously things were uh, a little different back in the eighties and, and with coach Shula there, as far as the success of the team and the synchrony and, and obviously right. the, those all time great coaches, they've got a program, you know, Bill, Bill Walsh wrote a book about it. And right. Nick Saban at the college level wrote a book about just yep. a program and an organization and how everything works together. So I'd be, be interested in, your perspective on one of the other guys in football management, that being general manager, Chris Greer, who's a little bit of a hot button topic for some Dolphins fans talking about, we talked about the offensive line investments and how they drafted this offensive tackle and traded up and gave up a future three. And how could you do that if you're going to play him at left guard? So you mentioned the wide receivers and, and everything that they did to go out this off season and kind of create this complementary skill set and, and this awareness of what our weaknesses were and how do we attack that. And we tore the whole roster down in 2019 and we've now managed to build it back up with some concessions, right? Because now we're seeing that there's maybe a lack of depth at right tackle that we're not super comfortable right. with, but, but how do you feel like this regime with Brian Flores and Chris Greer, now that they're entering into three years, they've had three off seasons together compared to, whether it's the Jeff Ireland tenure with Joe Philbin and Tony Sperano or the Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum group, mm -hmm. or even going back before that with like Randy Mueller and, and Cam Cameron, how does this group compare? Because it, in my opinion, it feels different. It feels yeah. like there's a different energy and they're on the same wavelength to a different degree as far as everybody rowing in the same direction. But again, Given your experience and, and your exposure to the team, I'd be interested if that's maybe my naivety and inexperience or if you feel the same way. I do. I think Chris Greer and Brian Flores have one of the best relationships. Uh, we don't have a VP of football operations, which 
I think it's helped a lot. That was an extra layer. It's not taking shots at Mike Tannenbaum or any, or you could take it that way. Um, there, there are too many guys who wanted to put in their thoughts on who to draft and who, all those things. This has been a really good relationship. Now, we still got to find out because we went all in on these last two drafts with a lot of ones, a lot of twos, and, and a lot of threes. I call them all quality draft picks the first three rounds. So we need to hit on them. And it starts with, you know, this game is built around the quarterback. And to it, Tunga Vailoa needs to take that next step. I'm not saying he needs to be Aaron Rodgers this year or he needs to be Patrick Mahomes, but he needs to take a nice big step that he can throw the ball down the field and not just check it off underneath and 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 hit these receivers and stuff. So um, but but I do love the relationship. It, it's on the same page. Chris Greer told me. I will never take a guy that my head coach is totally against, no matter how much I love him. I, I will tell him I'm really sold on it. I like him, but if I can't get him sold on it, um, as, as in Brian Flores, I will never do it because he's coaching him. He doesn't play well. I don't want to throw him in my face every day. I want him to sign off on it. But I think they've got a really good working relationship. Yes, I would go as far as to say of all those groups you talked about, this is one of the best um we've had I think Chris got a pretty good idea what Brian's looking for um but we got to hit on the picks let's be honest you got to coach him up and, and we got to hit on these picks you got five first round picks the last two years we need those guys to work out we got four second round picks we need those guys to be good football players I'm not saying they have to be all pro or go to pro bowls but they need to be good solid winning football players you line them up and you know every week what you're getting really good solid football we overuse the word great all the time but we need to hit on those guys because that's what we sold to our fan base people watching this this is what you sold to ownership Stephen ross and this is the best way for it we're going to take a little hit in the pr which they did and uh and then surprisingly after an 0 seven start that one year they're able to go five and four somehow in the Last night, hell, they almost won a couple extra games. Right. And then last year uh, was amazing what Brian Flores did really with um, with the quarterback situation, able to win those games. And that defense uh, leading the league in takeaways was just phenomenal, keeping people out of the end zone. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You know what else it tastes like? Deliciousness. It tastes like a Miami Dolphins touchdown. That's what it tastes like. It tastes like a, what I imagine a Miami Dolphins playoff win would taste like. If you want to know just how delicious a Built Bar is, 100% chocolate on all their bars, nine different flavors to choose from. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. You can eat them on the go. Great for meal replacement, something to start your day, end your day, middle of the night, post-workout, you name it. Built Bar can be it. Right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15%. Off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So you mentioned the defense, and obviously they made a huge leap. They went from 32nd in scoring defense in 2019. They gave up uh, almost 100 points in the first two weeks of the season mm -hmm. alone. They yeah. gave up the most points in franchise history. To last year, going into week 17, which I refuse to acknowledge that week 17 ever happened <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I had to watch uh, it too, yeah. <laughs> they were number one in scoring defense going into week 17 Crazy. last year. Crazy. And then they come out and they spend 
two of their first three picks on Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips to, to bring some new energy into this group, but no other player on the defensive side of the ball is more important than Xavier Howard. And this situation with Howard finally came to a head over the course of this weekend. It seemed like Howard gave a little bit of goodwill by dressing for practice on Saturday and lo and behold, before Sunday's practice, they, they iron things out. Uh, so I, I'm just curious uh, how you maybe expected that resolution to come about versus what actually manifested as far as what concessions the dolphins made in 2022 with guaranteed salary versus them kind of putting the pressure back on X a little bit in 2021 to say, Hey, you want your money this year. You're going to have to go get it. We're not going to pay you for what you did last year. Yeah. You know what? Um, He's so important to the team. He knows. I know, you know, fan base knows Xavier Howard is really important the way we play football, especially last year with all the blitzes, zero coverage, no help. X-Man was out. It was one of the best years defensively. It was a Jason Taylor kind of, of season where he just really dominated in play. He actually dropped three or four more interceptions uh, that he had his hands on, got great instincts, um, goes up. He'll take a few chances, which I like, to get stops and, uh, and make some plays but uh, Xavier knew he was important. And if you're selling, he was in a great situation. You're selling your fan base that we're, we're winning now. That two years is old. We want to win now. What would that have looked like if you let Xavier and Howard? Now, there were some fans. We had a lot on the radio. They were like, if he doesn't want to play for that original contract, he can't do this. But I think a lot of people realize if you lose him, Nothing against the other guys, nothing at all against the other guys that that might play there, might get a chance, whether you go with a veteran or if you felt like putting Iggy out there, it's going to be a drop-off. Nobody's going to be as good as that guy you've got um, right now in the X-Man. He, he is phenomenal. I think, it's a, I think it's good psyche for the rest of the team because they know how good he is. They know about all the plays he made. And sometimes when you don't get a pass rush, he can still make plays down the field. But um, you brought up a great point, though. They added two high draft picks defensively for a playmaking safety and a they, what many people thought is the best pass rusher. Now he's been injured for a week, and there's a little bit of frustration around everybody. Jalen Phillips got to get going here. But um, we need him. There's another guy. I mean, I know we're talking about everybody but him. Jalen Phillips needs to, to step up and, and play like a first-round pick and, and play a lot of snaps. I don't care about him in coverage. I care about that guy. If you go four or five man rush, beating a tackle and getting pressure on a quarterback. Yeah, that was when we we did our exit assessment of the Dolphins defense. The the top areas of need that I had kind of earmarked was number one: you need somebody who can get home in your organic pass rush situations. So when you when you play the Russell Wilsons and the Josh Allen's of the world, if you bring six they're going to extend the play. They're going to get out and they're going to kill you. So you need to be able to bring less guys, more flood coverages and still generate pressure in those situations. So it seemed like the dolphins agreed. Uh, uh, Joe, last thing I want to ask you specifically about Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland, and and even to a lesser degree, uh, some of the other young guys on the roster, but with this first depth chart, we talked about the pressure that was put on, Noah Benogany and Solomon Kinley, both on the second team at corner and left guard, respectively. 
Jalen Phillips, third string. And obviously he hasn't practiced for the last week. Javon Holland, backup safety. Is this one of those rite of passage things that you kind of perceive with coach Flores that, you know, we're going to make sure you stay motivated early in your rookie season or is this for, you know, Jalen Phil's perspective, Brennan Scarlett has had a really good camp. Is that he's been outperformed or, or availability or, or how do you interpret seeing some of those young guys who have really balled out and Holland had three turnovers in the last three days of practice that he was with the ones. So how do you interpret that messaging to the rookies from coach Flores? I, uh, I go back a couple of years ago, Kenyon Drake came in as backup running back and he didn't take it well. He was like, it wasn't, I'm going to show you it, it. He just didn't take it. He thought, you know, I'm the best back on this team. And wait a second, why am I starting camping? Everybody handles it differently. I think this coach has told those guys, I want to see who does it in practice every day, who stays healthy and, and who gets it done and how you fight to get the playing time. I think a lot of that. I, I, I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, defensively they play with so many different packages everybody's going to play they're going to rotate especially on the d line i don't think they want jalen phillips to play every down we brought him in here for we brought in here because we won the best pass rusher as you said organic pass rusher not where you have to do i call it the dancing seven but sometimes where you can just line up with four Maybe a fifth guy in there, one of the one of your linebackers blitzing or, or somebody is a fifth person. But you want to be able to get pressure and actually help your coverage and not just always bring it and hope they get rid of the ball early before receivers are ready or the coverage is good. And uh, and so th there's a lot of different parts of this, but I think he's into really motivating and see how people fight and compete every day. I think uh, Coach Flo is, uh, is a young guy, but he's got a lot of old school to him. He really does. Joe, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Everything, I hoped it would be a morning. I'm sure the, the listeners of Locked On Dolphins are going to come away from this feeling, A, good about the team, but also be a little bit more enlightened from uh, somebody else who is delivering some of the messages that I've been uh, trying to give for perspective, but even more importantly, somebody who's been around this team for as long as you have and, and has the eye for what it takes to win, and has seen what it has materialized when the losing has been the more prominent trend for the Dolphins. So I yeah. cannot thank you enough oh, man, for coming on great. with me here. Kyle, I hope we can do this a, a whole bunch. I really do. I enjoy talking about the team, especially with you and, uh, and everybody that watches this. Uh, bring in your questions. If you have any questions about the team, I, I very seldom beat around the bush about the good and the bad with the team. We've had – we put our fan base – through a tough 20 years, as you know, or, or 21 or 22 since that guy behind you there, Marino, by the way, terrible roommate, terrible road roommate to have that guy for, <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's great to talk to everybody. It really is. So thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. And I am absolutely positively going to take you up on that. And I guess the only ax to grind you talked about tough 20 years, uh, I was born in 89. So I really, once I became self-aware, that was when 13 hung it up for good. So I missed the glory years altogether. So uh, I'm looking forward to what this regime has in store. And I, I can't remember a season that I've been more excited about. Before. I agree with that, Kyle, man, you, you, you bring it. And by the way, you, you, your, your positive attitude, I think people really like about this instead of 
all the negative. It's, it's been a lot of positive and looking forward to the good stuff. It's, uh, it's been good. It, it really has. And I agree with you. Um, this is about as excited as I've been a, about a Miami Dolphin football team in a long, long time with, uh, with all these young players and to see who develops, right? Who gets coached up, who, who matures quickly and can step up and play. I love the guys from year one to year two, the guys year two to year three. And uh, it's going to be fun for us to kick back and, and see how this thing all comes together, man. Don't take it from me. Take it from Joe Rose, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me, Joe. And uh, we will make sure we are back with another episode of Locked on Dolphins. Tomorrow, I'm going to be traveling, heading up to Chicago myself for some work with the Draft Network, but I'll be in attendance for the preseason game on Saturday, which I'm looking forward to seeing. As, as Joe mentioned, we had some quizzes, and now we get our first test. And we're going to see who is up for the occasion. And we will, of course be reacting to that as it happens yeah. your team every day here on locked on dolphins fins up thanks for listening